upon a star. Now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Disneyland. Just go to Action Park to know other park like it. Six Flags Great Adventure. It's not a world away. Paramount's Kings Island. We will officially open Universal Studios Florida. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Now, here is your host. Hi, and welcome back to the Funkland Podcast. My name is Kevin Perger. Today, we are going to have a bit of a different a bit of a different, a different kind of episode. Um, we are going to be talking about a movie that's coming out, and it's really special because I, I can say that I got to see an early screening, right, Ben? That's correct. Okay, great. So I, I'm not just uh, not just spitballing here. I did get to see this film, and this is a widely anticipated film in the uh, Disney and theme park community. It is The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head, and I am joined today by Ben Len- Lancaster, the writer and director. Uh, that's correct. Yes, writer, director, one of the producers. Uh, you're, I mean, you're everything, right? When it's when it's when it's an, when it's an indie film, um, and so that's that's awesome. And we're going to talk all about the film. Um, we're not going to do any spoilers, um, and I, I wouldn't say after seeing the film that there are any anything that could ruin it because the enjoyment for me didn't come as much from what was happening next than what was going on. I think if that makes sense, like just every line was filled with something to appease the Disney nerd in me. And that was so great. <laughs> and it does have a really uh, a really emotional story throughout, which is great to follow, but it's definitely it's definitely worth watching, if nothing else, in my opinion, um, for just those great jokes. I mean, there's just so many. I, I was the like even the first scene, I was like, wow, this is written just for me, Kevin. Like you wrote this for just me. And so I'm sure a lot of people are going to feel that way. Um, but but I really want to go through kind of the story of the film first. And so I'm going to let you talk. And I just want to hear uh, how this thing got started and developed and then the crowdfunding and the production. I just want to I want to hear how this thing came to be on my computer the other day. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was a long story. It's uh, The film's been about five years in, in progress uh, from sort of the first inception of it into the point at which it's being screened at film festivals coming up here soon. Um, so it started as a joke and really nothing more than that. Um, As all great films do. (laughs) Apparently um, I was just spitballing titles with a few of my film school friends and the further adventures of Walt's frozen head was one that came up. And so we decided that uh, me and my wife were talking about it later. We knew we were making a a major production um, of something and we decided that that's the one it was. Um, The, the strength of the title alone to me was the, the appeal. And then you start asking the question, um, which I think is, is a more interesting question than was Walt frozen, which is, you know, this urban legend that's out there and doesn't really have a lot of evidence and that sort of thing. But, but you start asking the question, why was Walt frozen or why do we believe that Walt was frozen? Um, what is it about Walt's character that, that tells us that this is something that's on the realm of possibility? Um, and so that gives me kind of a, a psychological hook into the film. Um, and it really came together very quickly after that. And so with this, I mean, the, the, the world that's built in this film is, is really great. It's a, uh, it's, and uh, this is in the trailer, so I can delve into this a bit, right? It's oh, that w- Walt Disney, um, is frozen once a year for three days 
to Unfro- unfrozen once Unfro- unfrozen. I, I would say dethawed de- de- right for once a year for three days and then he is given updates and gets to not really make decisions on the parks and so and and the movies which this was uh there's some great good dinosaur jokes in there um <laughs> we we had not seen the good dinosaur when we shot that so well if you can believe it no one else had either um, <laughs> and they still haven't um i saw the first 10 minutes and it was violent uh, but the, uh, but uh, uh yeah so yeah. Well, I, um, I saw the good dinosaur with my then 3 year old daughter sitting on my lap with my hand covering her eyes the entire film <laughs> Like, <laughs> really? It's like, yeah. oh, what's that dinosaur doing to that? Oh, no. Oh, honey, we uh, he, walked he, into the wrong theater. He's he's trying to murder it. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> it's, it's worse than Jurassic Park. Um, but the yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so you you crowdfund. That's through, uh, through Indiegogo. Is that right? Uh, Kickstarter Two kick, Kickstarter. two different Kickstarters, one for production, and one for post. There's some great shots of Magic Kingdom in here that are just so beautiful. Um, that I have no idea how you got because they're tripod shots, right? That's correct. Um, and so th- was this the so we know I know that Walt, um, who is played by Ron Schneider, the original Dreamfinder, right? Um, he he does an amazing performance, but we can get into that later. But these shots, so this is probably uh, was this like the first thing you shot? Did you go into Disney and and get these wider shots? first um we had about three days um uh, sorry four days on property um where we were shooting um in the park and that amounts to about 20 minutes of the film and then it was a few different trips here and there to pick up some kind of not b-roll but sort of establishing shots and and things like that um so it, it was it wound up being a little bit more than just those initial four days that we had like actors and were doing sort of things like that. We, then we wound up shooting a little more atmosphere and, um, and sort of the beauty shots that kind of fill out those sections of the film. And the, the, I, I really don't want to spoil the film, but I do want to ask questions. Um, this is the very beginning, so I guess it's not a spoiler, but there's a, there's a great kind of montage at the very beginning of mm-hmm. all these shots with the magic kingdom closing at night. And these are like not only beautiful shots, but they're they're like really well orchestrated with <laughs> cast members. There's a there's a great shot that I just keeps standing out to me is I think it's a female cast member with a trash bin that's yes. like that's walking, and then it's Pete, and it's is in Storybook Circus, mm-hmm. um, and or wherever wherever that is, and it's him and like uh, taking off his cap, and it's that that sign that moves, and it's just creepy. I mean, how did you how did you get that? How did you get these kind of shots? You you sit with your camera and you wait, um, and okay. that was that was all these shots here. Like we went late night one night that when the park was not very crowded, it was already clearing out, and we just walked around, set up our shot, and we waited. And uh, sometimes we got really lucky. And I I turned to my DP when that cast member walked through our shot and said, "You you got that right? Like you mm-hmm. you got it?" And she's like, "Yes, yes, we did." Um, Amazing, because we knew that shot was going to be in the trailer. That shot was going to be, you know, early in the film. Like, because it, you know, in some ways, this was like shooting a documentary at times, in that you just hope you get that one lucky shot of something that is happening right in front of you. Um, and then the other times, it was like, uh, you know, doing a bank heist. So it uh, right. kind of hit the two extremes, I suppose. Yeah, and then you have these 
amazing shots and they're tripod shots. And I don't know personally, does, is there any, does Disney say you're not allowed to have tripods? What, what is, what is it like walking in with a tripod or did you use like a monopod with little legs at the bottom? Um, we kind of went back and forth. The official rule at the time we were filming and I can't speak for it now, uh, is that you can use a tripod that fits into a standard size, like backpack or something like that. Um, which is enough flexibility. They can pretty much, uh, tell you to heave ho if, uh, it looks too large, but, uh, um, that was the rule at the time we were shooting. We actually wound up using a smaller monopod um, that uh, was just a little more compact. And then um, we also wound up using a lot of uh, warp stabilizer from uh, the Adobe plugin, um, which takes all things that are just a little bit handheld and tries to make them a little bit less handheld. So that was a great asset <laughs> for a lot of the park shooting. Well, I will say that I never noticed the warp stabilizer. Oh, um, it's fantastic. And so, and I, and I can, I'm, I can point out everywhere it is. So oh, I'm sure you can. And there, there were some things and I, and I'm not going to lie. There were some things in the film where I'm like, yeah, that's a green screen. That's, I mean, and, and it wasn't, it didn't mm-hmm. take me out of the film, but someone that makes films and does editing a lot. Right. Uh, but I will say that I never noticed any warp images. And that's something that is really distracting to an audience. Mm-hmm. So those, all those shots came out as great. There was only, I think one or two shots where I was like, okay, that was, that was green screened, but I'm sure it was much more than that. And I do want to say, well, the Walt, be- Walt was green screened. Well, just so, well, just so you know, the head. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, that wasn't Walt Disney's head. Well, I will, uh, I will say, I was just about to say that, that, those were the best effects. The and I'm and I'm sure you shot and I think I spoke to Ron about this. You uh you shot this you shot all of his scenes afterwards, right? Yes, uh, about a year after principal photography. It was actually quite a significant period of time um, between the real uh, where we were shooting without Ron and then everything else. So when we were shooting with him, so yeah, Ron's performance in this is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm sure you know, it's it is. It's the it's the takeaway from the film as it should be. It's the title character. It's Walt Disney, and I would say he does a better job than uh, than Tom Hanks does. And I know that's like crazy to say. Um, <laughs> I just, I tend to agree, but I also directed him to it, so you know. Sure, sure. Um, like Tom Hanks, I'm I'm just, I'm and I'm speaking to the the accuracy to the kind of things he was saying mm-hmm. and the accuracy to. Um, to the uh, to the, the vocal inflections, I'm sh- I know Ron probably did a lot of research on the voice and different things. But if I I could totally hear if he were to say Epcot, like I could totally hear that in Walt Disney's voice through Ron. And just there was some times with Tom Hanks where it was like, hey, you're not you're just being Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really being Walt Disney. Um, now this is me officially saying on this podcast that Ron Schneider is the next Tom Hanks. Um, but 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 really, it was such a a great inclusion. And the best part about it is. You can never really. There's never a point that I noticed. And again, I watch this with editor eyes. Like I have like eyes like a hog. I'm, I'm the least favorite uh, audience member you can have, probably. Um, but but the I never noticed, and I was actually very impressed by the motion tracking and the believability that he was in there. Like he was actually in there. It was it was really well done. All the credit to that goes to our visual effects supervisor. Um, he came in. Th- this entire movie was building a parachute as we were falling. Um, he did <laughs> not come in until after principal photography and we were scrambling for somebody and he was a friend of a friend and I met him one time before we started shooting and he was like 
sure, I'll help you with this project. And now three years later, I'm emailing him saying, hey, David, you want to clean up this one shot that I'm having trouble color correcting? And he's saying, yes, Ben, I'll do it. And, you know, <laughs> this guy has a you know family of four kids and like things to do and like and so many man hours that he dedicated to this um, and coming on without the sort of fun of production because usually that's that's what you have to like production is is a stressful process but it's also this sort of camaraderie building process um where where you're with a large group of people and um he didn't get that he just came in and has been working at his computer this whole time for you know for the passion of the project and we're just so grateful to have him on that if you could change one shot if you can change one scene and refilm it, because of course you couldn't probably do many reshoots. Um, if there was one thing you needed, if you would change, what would it be? Oh gosh, um, that's it's it's a hard question because I got one scene for content. I would just trim it down. I think it was the first scene I wrote. I didn't I didn't revise it properly, which is the scene where he's with Marjorie. I think it just goes a little long. Um, if I could go back and redo that, I would just, I'd trim here. I'd sort of rework a little bit here and there. Um, on style, there's one shot that's blown out and it drives me crazy. Like blown out being the whites are too white and there's no way to make them less white. The one script change I would make, and I can't believe I didn't think about this at the time, was I would have named the main character Chris from Orlando. Like I should have just named him that. That's the one uh, script change I wish I could make. The you would have Peter, rather Peter him. character. I would have rather him had the name of Chris, which is the generic name that you get when they don't you've lost your name tag or you don't have your name tag made yet or whatever. <laughs> so if you see people walking around Disney World with a Chris, for, you know, from Orlando, Florida name tag, that means that they're that's not actually their name. That's the the spare name tag essentially. Oh, nice. So if um, I could go back and change it, that would be the the change I would do. That's a great joke, but there are so many other nods. I think in the first scene when I knew I was already on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I'm on board because I'm like, this director is going to be my podcast. I better be on board <laughs> with this. Um, but, I'm, but I was like, but a movie has to win you over, right? Right, right, um, right. And so the moment you wouldn't won me over, and I don't want to spoil, but I'm going to. Um, there's, a, there's a great line in that scene with his manager um, where she says she's naming all of the Mickey Mouse editions of plush toys, right? Mm-hmm. And she's, she says, there was also a limited edition of Mickey Mouse as Michael Eisner. And I laughed so hard. <laughs> I had to I had to rewind it. Um, so I'm glad I wasn't in that screening. Okay. I'm glad I wasn't like, I wasn't, I, in, I, hope, I hope I, I'm glad, you, you should be glad that I wasn't in your biggest festival screening because <laughs> I would have distracted everyone because I was howling. It was I, the funniest thing. I hope we get that kind of of laughter at our festival screening. <laughs> it's really there are going to be jokes that are very dependent about how Disney literate your audi- the audience is, um, and right. then there are going to be I think other jokes that sort of everybody's going to get. But uh, um, you know, there's there's a there's at least two levels going on here in the film. Sure, and and most of the humor um, I think can it makes sense just because of there are a few jo- there was also that go.com joke that I was howling at that I was like oh my gosh that was the funniest thing um but but there but there but there are also jokes that anyone can get and a lot of people Disney's a very it's a universal language because they shove it down our throats um but uh <laughs> but but it is you'll be able to you'll be able to catch up with it and so um we've 
can we back up? I try to do this in order, but I'm I'm everywhere because I just keep remembering wonderful things mm-hmm. um, that I liked about this, which is a good sign. Um, but uh, the pre-production process. So how many revisions did the script go through? How many things changed? I mean, just I've always been really interested to hear, like, where did it start and what I saw? Right. Um, so there were kind of. I want to say there were three different versions that stick out in my mind. Um, there, were, there were more like smaller iterations between that, but the the first version was was much more of a. There's this sort of rogue security guard who's the only no one who sort of sees what's going on. He's sort of following him around and and that sort of thing. Um, it it kind of got into be sort of silly farce nonsense, um, which was which was fine. I like silly farce nonsense and a lot of things. Um, it just it never quite felt a felt right for the film, and b um, really gelled with the story that I think we were that we were trying to tell and the tone we were trying to go for. Um, so so that kind of went by the wayside. It also was going to be a lot harder to film, um, and then the the. Other script change that happened pretty late, um, not late in production because that was that was much later um, than uh, we finalized the script, but that happened late in the script process. Was um, we wound up sending Molly with them to the to the Magic Kingdom? That was not in any of the earlier drafts. Oh, um, okay. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Molly is the main character's daughter, and essentially about halfway through the film, she blackmails her way into getting to go to the Magic Kingdom with Walt Disney. Um, and and that, was, that was a change that happened later in the film and one that I think the, the film is a lot stronger for. I can't imagine it without that, honestly. Uh, that, that felt very natural. Um, and also it, it was kind of the catalyst for all of the action towards the end of the second and beginning of the third act. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was a really, a really good choice. Like that's interesting that you said that I could not have imagined a draft without that because I kind of... That, that all parties converge kind of storyline. Um, it just, it, it really blended. So it's, 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 it's interesting. And that's why I asked those kind of questions because I was like, I mean, that's just something I would never have thought of wouldn't have been in the original. Well, was there ever like any draft that was longer, any draft that was really short? I knew that this, it, I, I kind of took to heart the Woody Allen uh, maxim that you can't be funnier for longer than 82 pages. Um, so I, I, at some point I knew like this is going to be a shorter film partially because the last feature I made was too long. And so I'm like, okay, if anything, I'm going to overcorrect here. We're going to make this, uh, we're going to make this an 80 minute movie, um, which it wound up to be. Um, uh, there wasn't anything significantly longer. I think there were some slight trims here and there. Um, but ultimately we knew we wanted this kind of nice, compact, short family comedy. Um, and I think that's sort of what we wound up with. So. I'm pretty happy with it. No, I mean, I again, I'm sorry to jump around so much. It's hard to keep the the same train of thought um, with all my different ideas that I want to talk about. But there's also some really great emotional beats in the film. Um, can you kind of talk about how how did you choose the uh, the themes to hit on, and did that ever did that ever change through the screenwriting process? Um, uh, the, those kind of really great emotional moments between characters. So this goes back to kind of what I was alluding to earlier with knowing that the film is about Walt's frozen head. It raises the question, why does Walt freeze himself? Not the practical reason, but the the character reason. Okay, so Walt's freezing himself because he wants to hold on to something. And that was the 
that was what had to be changed in Walt. If 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 this film is about a journey, is this film is about a character making a journey, then that's the journey that he is going to have to go on. And you know, he's going to have to at some level set uh, change his attitude towards that. And so, knowing that that's what it is, I need a secondary character who's going to be the one that walks him around. I need that person to be able to uh, be going through a similar journey. So we went through a couple different options of what that similar journey is. Um, And in the end, we kept coming back to the idea of giving up your child because she's growing up. Um, So we have a a guy whose his marriage is failing. He's stuck in a dead end job and his daughter is turning 16 and isn't the little girl that he remembers. Um, You know, it's not, this epic tale necessarily, but I, I think it's it's something that a lot of uh, parents can relate to. I was a very young parent when we started. I guess I'm slightly older of a parent now, but uh, um, it, you know, it's it's something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of people who are in different stages of life. Yeah, and and uh, the and I'm not not trying to inflate your ego or appease you as a podcast guest. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go yeah, ahead. sure. Right. Um, any chance we get. Um, it, it makes the film festival rejections feel a little feel a little, feel a little easier. So, yeah. oh, well, the well, you you did you uh, you picked the wrong topic if you wanted to get into <laughs> Sundance. Um, you should have you should have already directed a thousand films and you should have picked an actor that was on their way out. That's oh. how you get into Sundance. Oh, fair. Um, you should have known this. Um, <laughs> you uh, you already had the. That's so sad. What's happening to film festivals? But that's another that's yeah. another story. We can um, we can talk about that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'd like your perspective too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and so, but, but really this emotional moment, one that sticks out to me and was just so powerful. And I don't know if it's because I, I talk about Disney a lot and I'll, to be honest, I don't talk about Walt that often. Um, as, as many of those listening know, I, I usually, this season of defunct line has been focused on Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. but I do want to get on to the Walt Disney years. Cause that's also interesting in itself. Um, but I really, love this moment and I and I can't pinpoint at what point it is in the film so stop me if it's a spoiler okay but uh but there's this moment where Walt Disney basically says that he's not Walt Disney um anymore mm-hmm. um and that was such a great character moment because we've heard this before I think he said this I don't know if you it's, it's did... a modified version of an actual Walt Disney quote there's actually several right. um lines that Walt has that are modified to fit the situation, slightly tweaked here and there for wording and that sort of thing, but really pretty authentic to things that he said and, and things he expressed. Yeah. Um, and it, it does really feel like that on top of the fact that Ron looks creepy, creepily like Walt Disney when he scrunches his face like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that every once in a while, he'll like turn his head and then you're like, whoa, it's Walt Disney. And then he'll turn his head a little bit more and it's like, okay, it's, it's Walt Disney, but it's a little bit with Ron. And But there's a, there's like a every few frames, it's just like just Walt Disney, um, which is which is amazing that you get Ron to both do a great impression and look a lot like him. Um but uh, but again, that's your ego um, to inflate. <laughs> but but the, <laughs> there goes your ego. Yeah. Um, but 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 really, there's this great moment, and I don't know. It's probably because I heard the quote before, and I think I read it in Marty Scar's book. Um, but but this idea that he's not Walt Disney, like Uncle Walt didn't smoke, I did that. Uncle Walt didn't do this, I did that, and it was just it was a really interesting character moment um, that you really don't get um, with characters in movies that I think you both utilized really well because uh, you're clearly um, know what you're doing, but also because the the topic you chose allowed it to happen is you have this character that everyone knows. 
mm-hmm. um, in a way, but we've never gone on an adventure with him. We've never followed him. And the most any of the people of the, the public has ever seen really Walt Disney do is talk to us. And so to see him talk about himself and to talk to other people was surprisingly powerful and really interesting to watch. And of course, is Ron's performance um, held up? Mm-hmm. To uh to make sure that we weren't taken out of it by being like this man is not Walt Disney that's Tom Hanks, um but <laughs> but uh but no it was uh like like um like I'm again try not to inflate your ego too much um but uh because eventually you need to inflate mine because okay. I feel <laughs> I don't I don't want to I don't want this whole podcast to be about you this, this is my podcast um, no but the uh, but but really I mean just such an interesting kind of worlds colliding of the topic you chose the the acting performance the just the idea just all these things combined into this moment that would not have been possible in any other medium in any other time in any other script I mean just a really great moment that is just so special and so I really applaud you for that that's not a question but just like great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I will. I will take it as a. Uh, I will take it as a compliment. So, I, I that really was appreciate definitely it. a compliment. I hope that didn't come off as anything no. else. <laughs> of uh, course, of course. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean this. This kind of gets into the overall um, idea behind the movie. And you're right. We're using a figure that everybody has some level of connection with. If you grew up. In the Western world, period, you know who Walt Disney is. You know what the man sort of looks like. You you know some of his movies. Um, and yet, because of the way the company is, you've never really had that experience with him, with the exception of maybe saving Mr. Banks. Um, so Which... I- was totally accurate and not at all... Uh, <laughs> not, a, not at all changed in any way... <laughs> It's not like they stopped the movie two minutes before it sh- the the truth came out. Oh, um, oh. anyway, sorry. Anyway, sorry, um, <laughs> can you tell that I have strong opinions on this movie? <laughs> I I can tell you have strong opinions on saving Mr. Banks. Um, that I, I, can't, I forgot where that, I was going. I was completely off yeah, off track. Now. Sorry, that vintage Disneyland portion of saving Mr. Banks was worth it. But other than that, um, no. But you were there were you good were t- there were good moments in the film. I I, the, the, I enjoyed were. the film overall. You're you're right. They took some some liberties with the. Uh, um, liberties with the with the truth in parts i would say <laughs> why do you need the truth when you're making a biopic well, um, in fairness do you know walt disney's ad- attitude towards telling the truth in movie yeah. oh enough. yeah well fair enough i mean it's yeah this man i'm not i'm not i'm not claiming this man was a was a monster as the internet would have you to believe or the books that people the sensationalized books about him um but uh the author mary poppins definitely was crying because she hated the movie not because she liked it um sorry go on (laughs) but but that's all i gotta say um Uh, yeah that's not walt's fault no Um, no uh, the the sad truth is walt disney made a better version of mary poppins than her books i've read her books he made it better i'm sorry like that's uh, but but that's that's indic that's a that's a weird thing to touch on and has nothing to do with this podcast discussion. No, but you're I'm, right. gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm uh, no no, but I'm I'm gonna go on with this idea anyways. Okay, um, I'm gonna take a bit from your platform here. Um, sure, the, uh, sure, sure, sure. If you, I'm sure you've seen the Prestige. Uh yes, yes, I have the Chris Nolan so, film, right? Yes, I was right. getting confused the, with the Illusionist, which came out right at the same time. But it, but the yes, Prestige it, is the better film. It was a year of magic. This there was a, every every decade. There's a year of magic. At one point, we had "Now You See Me" and the amazing Burt Wonderstone. That Steve Carell magic comedy. It's, it's better it than comes, the year of asteroids, in which uh, which two movies, Apocalypse Now and like one, not Apocalypse Now, um, two, two <laughs> asteroid movies came out in the same year. I can't even remember what it was. 
Or it's better than the year of um, bugs, animated bugs. Oh, it's true. You're better than the year of animated bugs. <laughs> better anyway. than the year of animated bugs. Um, prestige. Yeah, Prestige. Uh, it's based on a novel. Um, and if you remember this movie, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this movie, um, it's two dueling magi- magicians. It's like, it's like du- 20 years old at this point. I, th- I think you Yeah, I know. It. Well, yeah. And so there's like two, two dueling magi- magicians, right? And then one of them's doing this trick where he teleports, but really he just has a secret twin. And he's living two, – two twins are living one life. Um, that twist happens at the end of Christopher Nolan's movie. It happens in the middle of the book. <laughs> and everyone that's read the book, not everyone, but most people are like, yeah, the movie does a way better job with telling the story. And the author hates it. So there is a history behind a so a movie improving upon the source material and the author hating them for it, which, I mean, I don't blame them. If anybody made a movie out of my book, um, I don't know how you would actually you would be the perfect person to do this. Hmm. I should send you a copy of my book and you can make a movie about it. I would. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. We'll we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> you're gonna you're just like I'm gonna let this guy down easy after the podcast, but we're <laughs> well, but we I, are recording right now. <laughs> I haven't bought your book yet. I was gonna send money, and then I didn't send oh, no, the money funny. yet. Okay, <laughs> I was no, going to. I, uh, I seriously was going to. Everybody, go uh, buy his book. I'm sure it's fantastic. Well, it's, uh, in November, in November, in November. okay. Uh, depending on when out. this podcast comes out, but yeah, I, the, I was uh, gonna pledge, and then the Indiegogo uh, slipped by me. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. What are you gonna do? I did not donate to. <laughs> <laughs> As, as long as we're as long as we're confessing, I did not donate to this many adventures the further adventures of Walt's Rosenberg we'll, film. We'll call it even at this point, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should probably send you an ebook, considering I got to see the film. Well, we'll um, call it a good boom. trade. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a Trader Joe's transaction. That's a whole trade. Um. Anyways, what was <laughs> I talking about? Um, this movie that I watched of yours. Um, this is so we're the going prestige. so far. Off we're, we're talking about we're, the prestige we're talking and about the prestige. improved on the film. <laughs> yeah, your film's all right. Have you seen the prestige? Um, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you though what what this film was quasi based on. So okay. it was it was a Jim Hill article from 2003 that stuck <laughs> with me. All right. <laughs> I'm screaming. Literally, like you know when those annoying people on Twitter when they're yeah. like they see something funny and they're like, I'm screaming. I literally yeah. drank a piece of water and he said, This film was based on a two thousand three Jim Hill article and I literally started like belching water or throwing, when I uh, was uh, oh my god. When Go I on, was an undergrad, which was about 10, 12 years ago now, too long ago. When I was an undergrad, like Jim Hill was a site I visited three times a week to read the new articles. <laughs> This article always stuck with me for some reason. It was called Khrushchev at Disneyland. And it's the story it's the quasi true story of a film that was going into production in the 1960s from the Disney company about the true story of Nikola Khrushchev who was the uh, premier of the Soviet of Soviet Russia um, and who slipped away from it, the, the true part is he made a big fuss when he visited LA because he was supposed to visit Disneyland and they couldn't do the security. Um, so they like pulled it on it at the last minute and he gave this long public speech about like, what, what I can't do the Russian accent. What are you hiding at Disneyland? Is that where you keep your nuclear secrets? Like, why can't I go see this Disneyland that everyone is talking about? Your, your, your Russian just sounds like a fat oil bill. I'm like, what did you, I, I can't go to Disneyland. <laughs> Uh, my Russian always winds up sounding. My real Russian always winds up sounding like Potsylvanian. So, um, <laughs> uh, it, anyway, uh, in the in the film version, Nikola Khrushchev slips out for a day at Disneyland um, and like puts on a fake mustache and like 
you know, goes to Disneyland, which is open late that night and has a wonderful time. Um, so this like this stuck with me for a, for a long time and like sort of kind of became a basis for like what I was writing. Not really. Not in any legally identifiable way, obviously, um, but sort of. Uh, uh, it was this kind of idea of someone sneaking into Disneyland under false disguise that I that kind of I liked and sort of just recast Walt instead of uh, you know the head of Soviet Russia. Well, that's so weird because my book <laughs> is 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 not. I might have been slightly inspired by the trailer to your film, um, no, just because not not the whole like Walt Disney thing, but in the book you do a thing around Disney, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is also Kingdom Keepers that book series. Um, just the idea that you're running around this place with like maximum security, yeah, but it's not a prison. It's supposed to be like a happy place, um, the happiest place. Um, it's just is really really an interesting thing that you always kind of get um but but yeah so it's that's it's funny that you say that not just because it's jim hill who by the way i am a huge fan of jim hill like i listen to all this podcast and i i am a fan it's just funny because he's like the disney historian like the the one true chosen disney historian <laughs> and so, and so so to hear you be like this actually film was based on a 2003 article but jim hill is hilarious because no, a lot of my uh, i met lentesta docu- and i geeked out about it like Oh, you don't really? understand. Like you wrote the unofficial guide to Walt Disney World. I read that when I was a kid and had no access to Disney World. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I don't think about... I did quite that, but it was it was doing that in my head at least. Well, the reason I I wanted you to do an adaptation of the book is because there is spoiler alert for the book. Please, if you haven't read the book. Don't don't listen to this part. Okay. Um, but the, the, at the end, uh, no, you need to listen to this okay, part. Okay, I need to you're, listen. You're about, no one <laughs> else. Because I'm, ta- I'm talking to you, uh, but, but everyone else. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like I'm being too mean to you. I apologize. No, no, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, Trust the, me, this uh, is yeah. a step up from the rest of my life. So, um, but my book, there is a sequence towards the end where you do something around Disney World, and because I was watching this, um, and I was like, you know, this isn't as action-packed as mine is because at one part point in mine spoiler alert skip 10 seconds ahead you jump off of the uh, people mover onto the train um i don't know if you could film that but if you could that'd be great i and don't maybe know get where that. you would i i like i it's on a uh, space, space mountain you can do it I, you can definitely do it on space mountain you could drop the jump on, from the on, on on the people mover track above space mountain like as you're going into space mountain the train passes right under there I'm calling shenanigans on this. I need to. I need to see the layout. You don't believe me? Are you? Really I, no, trying no, to... I'm not. I'm not quite. Okay, okay. I'll. <laughs> you don't believe? I like. I, I, I believe I, you. I, did, I, I did research for okay, this book. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I love. I love the. I love that you're like. No, I don't think that's true. You should probably go. Uh, you probably could take back all two thousand of those copies you printed. Um, <laughs> this is worse than a typo. It's just not possible. No, there is a point. Oh, we're gonna. If you want to Google Earth it, I, I pulled a, up Google uh, Earth before you told me I could. Because <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. I fully I believe you. I I don't need permission to pull up Google Earth. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the boss of me. I'm just a podcast guest. <laughs> I'm I'm a director. But most time on the podcast, I'm like I'm, I try to be like super nice to the guest. But now I'm just like my book is right. You're the wrong one. Um, but but yeah, I, I hope this is a thing. I mean, I think no, it's a thing. I think I think you're probably accurate now that I'm looking at no, it. Yeah. I, I think there might be pylons in the way is the trouble. But you, what do you mean pylons? Like like there's a. 
that might be a solid wall. Okay, I see on Google. I see on Google Earth exactly where you're talking about. And you still don't think it's possible? No, I see. I don't know if that's a solid wall or not. That's what I don't know. What What do you mean if it's a solid wall or not? The The part going. Just a second. I'm dropping a pin and I'm scrolling around. <laughs> you got to drop no. this pin real quick. I I don't think you could do it. I'm no, gonna... you can you can do it. There we okay, can edit the, this it, out if you want to. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. I don't care. They can listen to this. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my show. They can they can they can turn it off whenever they want. The, um, <laughs> uh, which is the which is as a content creator, as a director, you know, you should just be totally like against your audience. Like if they don't want to watch this, they can leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but no, this is definitely possible. Um, the there's a point where I so. Are you gonna? Are you watching like people mover videos now to figure out if it's possible? No, I pulled up. I, no, I pulled up Google Earth. I'm sending you the screenshot in Twitter. Okay, this is like you're actually you're trying to you know you know if you're right. I, I'm I, not trying to. I'm not trying to disprove. I'm, I I think there might be like legitimate safety hazards. Are you suggesting people jump from one place to another? Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> this isn't an action. Like, yeah, if you if that's your argument, sure. Don't yeah, please, I, please don't, don't jump from two moving vehicles. Yeah, just, don't jump from many no, moving vehicles. So you have to do it right when you come out of Spaceship Earth. Then is what you're saying. Sp- space Mountain. You space did, Mountain. Sorry, you, uh, yeah, Space Mountain. Uh, I, I better. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that in because <laughs> everyone's okay. gonna be like, "This is the guy that made the further adventures of Walt Frozen. He doesn't know the difference between Spaceship Earth and Space Mountain." I'm um, just kidding. You know what? Um, I but, could uh, pull up the ride-through video we did in the movie. So you know, I could pull up that. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're gonna talk it's, about it's the gorgeous. Gonna, it's gorgeous. It gorgeous. Light okay, streaming wow. off of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, is that the one that you didn't like? No. Or, no. No. Or you, you, the you shot that was blown like out was just in a parking lot. Like it wasn't even special shot well that's got to hurt more that it was the easy thing that you messed oh, up oh it was so easy too yeah it was it was <laughs> it was my fault i remember the dp saying something like on the histogram and like it, it was a frustrating day that was like three other shoots and was like oh just 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 get it like let's figure this out and it was it was my fault it's totally my fault it haunts me to this day <laughs> um so did you get the picture i sent you yes i did i see where you're i see okay. where you're talking about you you actually don't go through Space Mountain in the book. You jump off of the people mover and then jump onto the train. Okay. Um. So and there is a sh- I say shimmy well, onto the ledge. Well, why don't you so, why don't you have people jump off of the Space Mountain ride onto the people mover and then onto the train? Like that seems like it should be da- feasible. Because that's, <laughs> because that's that's where you cross the line. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's that's nuts. And also Space Mountain's scary, but uh. But we're gonna we're gonna move on to talk more about. So there's okay. some really uh, I want to know. I have some more questions that I, I wrote down and then I just ditched because we were talking about how my book doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> even you read it. I'm, I'm anxious um, to maybe this makes sense in context. It doesn't. So like the uh, rules of physics are described as being different in this book. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny. You're really hurting me right now. I'm just I'm um, <laughs> so I know you're really hurting my feelings. Um, well, I'm going to talk about what I didn't like about this film. Here we okay. go. Okay, <laughs> let's get started. I thought it was too long at 70 minutes. <laughs> 70. Hey, 80. All right. 80, 80 is a feature film. I left for 10 minutes and didn't even notice I was gone. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't be mean. Um, it was a good film. But uh, the uh, but, but really, so 
I do have a couple questions. One, so I asked you what was your least favorite shot, and actually, I had it in a different order. I was just really like interested about that. Mm-hmm. But I, the first question was, "What is your favorite shot?" Which is the which is the ease into the second question that I already asked. Ah, uh, my favorite shot's the people mover shot. I'm not even I'm not even like being funny. Like that's it. It just turned out gorgeous, and it's it's Walt and Peter, and they had a fight, and they're riding the people mover, and they're both looking in opposite directions, and like the light. It's at night, and the light just continually moves over them and we tried to ride the people mover enough that it broke down but we didn't so it doesn't break down in the movie oh that's i mean you just didn't try hard enough we didn't try hard enough it breaks down every 10 minutes so like that day it was working too well and so what oh you want them to break down so they could just be sitting there yeah that that, that would have been like we wanted to film it breaking down but unfortunately we just didn't get it yeah, that's too bad. Um, that breaks down like literally every like ten seconds. I don't know how you didn't get it, but uh, <laughs> we wrote it nice. like eight times too. <laughs> you're the you're. I guess when you want it to break down, it does. Actually, I always want it to break down. I always want to just sit there. It's beautiful. It, it um, depends on how hot it is and where you break down. Sure. So, but this uh, there are some wonderful shots, and I'm and I uh, the shots that. I was going to ask about that I really liked on top of the night shots and some the, some of the be- most beautiful exterior shots of the Magic Kingdom I've ever seen ever and I literally do this all day every day so that's a huge accomplishment to and uh, it's not I'm not complimenting you I'm complimenting your DP oh our DP um, is fantastic so, yeah no it's it's all her yeah. her name's Amber Steele she's yeah. fantastic DP uh, she used to be out in LA I think she still is so you should hire her if you want to DP uh, yeah that. Uh, if you want to direct and need a film, a needed. Yes, if you if you are a director or producer and want a director of photography, for those yes, not that with, is up what with the D- film lingo, that is what DP stands for. Um, and this was actually technically a video, right? Because you didn't shoot this on film. No, this was shot on <laughs> Blackmagic Pocket cinema cameras for the park stuff, regular cinema cameras for the non-park stuff, and um, A7Ss for the low light stuff. I was giving you a hard time, but that's it's good to know. Um, but the, well, some people the, like the technical information. I do. I appreciate okay, it. Okay. I do. I really do. Um, <laughs> ever since you uh, criticized my book that you ever read, it's been really awkward on this podcast. I'm um, gonna I'm gonna circle every typo, every typo. <laughs> yeah, I have I have no uh, I have no ground to stand on on typos. If you've read my Twitter feed for longer than like five minutes, so. <laughs> My my constant excuse is that I'm typing with my nose, which obviously only works in character as uh, Walt. So, right, okay, yes, because you are Walt's frozen I, head. I I assist Walt's frozen head with the Twitter account. This is so the distinction the that you have to make. Okay, You're right, yes, um, and that's I I I knew that going in. Um, I knew that Rod would not come on, or I knew that Walt Disney himself would not be on today. Okay. Um, because he would have probably been nice about my book. Um, he's a nice, <laughs> wonderful guy. He's a great guy. Uh, dearly missed. Um, so uh, so here's the question that I've been trying to ask for the past five minutes is, what was the hardest shot to get? You mean park park stuff or? Uh... I mean, I'd imagine it was park stuff. But what was, was, what was the hardest shot? I'm trying what to was think. the one that you were like, dang it? Oh, there was, I mean, the... Part of it was the park stuff was easy-ish, only in the fact that like everything was planned out. It we went in like it was 
it was on a spreadsheet on a Google Doc that we all shared on our phones, and we had every shot, we had every line, we had every, like, like we had all the blocking like absolutely set. There were no surprises in what we knew we had to pull off. We had everything super well scouted, and so some of the regular production stuff wound up being a little bit harder because we weren't as prepared going in um, because we didn't have to be, if that makes any sense. Um, So we had some dolly shots where we're just following people around that we just had to shoot again and again, like the uh, pretty early in the film, the executives walking through the utilidors. It's this kind of West Wing style shot where we have the camera on a dolly and we're just trying and they kind of keep starting and stopping. We had to shoot that thing like 30 freaking times um, be just because just anticipating when they're moving and that sort of thing um, and making sure our dolly grips were up on their um, timing. Um, so it, the the hardest shot, I think, for the production was that one, um, even though the pulling off stuff in the Magic Kingdom was difficult, like we had just discussed everything. Oh, I'll tell you the shot we never got. The shot we never got was an in-focus shot of the clock striking 13 in the Haunted Mansion. We cannot pull focus quick enough on that shot. Um, so if you notice, that shot's out of focus. Okay, I have a question now okay. um, about – okay, so some of the ride footage you got was really good, some really creative ways. And I don't know if this is credit to you or your DP or someone else. Um, like the, the, the decision to ride a separate teacup. Um, was really interesting. So you're, you're on the teacups, right? And you have mm-hmm. your characters on one teacup and your cameraman on another. That was really cool. That was the DP. That Honestly, that was it, that was in the, hey, let's what just did film you stuff. Do? What, did, what, did, what did you do on this film? Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like this DP is like kicking ass. And, oh, it's, she, was, and, uh, yeah, she was fantastic. I had producers do all the rest of the work. You know, I say I wrote it, but like mostly I just I just talked. It was mainly and that else Jim Hill article. It's mostly that Jim <laughs> Hill article. <laughs> and Ron really made it his own, so it was yeah. just one of those. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful, uh, wonderful. Um, uh, uh, so, but but I but here's the question okay. I had: um, the haunted mansion uh, was that faked? Did you? Oh, it's totally, so you, totally faked. What's it? Yeah, yeah, we right. built a doom buggy in a soundstage. Yeah, it's so cool. I was like, that is pretty genius. Yeah, we kind of like, we had I mean, two like PA's on each side rattling the dune buggy, and we had a projector that ran on a loop footage from the haunted mansion. Not that you can even really tell, but the lights kind of change on their faces. So yeah, we had I think two projectors, one coming from each side, just on slightly different loops. Um, that kind of light their faces up as if they're riding through it. And then the rest is sort of color correction, visual effects. And uh, yeah, that was, that was, um, and then we interspliced it with the ride footage, obviously. Incredible. I thought that was such a great idea. And I could kind of, and I was like, and I couldn't tell. The only reason I was like, this is faked is because how would you get that shot? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it'd be possible. I, it wouldn't, I don't know where you'd mount the camera. Sure, yeah, unless you had a selfie stick, which is not allowed. Plastic straws and selfie sticks are not you allowed. Would, you would get shut down if you were if you were doing a selfie stick on that ride. I have absolutely no doubt. So, <laughs> oh, for sure. So did you ever run into any problems? Uh, the only – so funny story. Our very first shot, we were, <laughs> we were shooting the security back when it was in front of Magic Kingdom. 
And um, our very first shot was going to be Peter with the bag holding Walt, um, walking through security. And the security guard came over and is instantly like, ma'am, 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 you can't shoot here. So like, okay, we fine, fine, fine. We pack up, we pack up. Um, we're already like pins and needles. I am as I am as scared as a wet cat this day because like everything's riding on this first day. I really think we're going to Mickey jail. Like I'm, I'm saying it's a coin toss. Um, so we have things filmed in kind of order of what we need them to actually complete the film, even if everything got lost. Second shot, we're getting him going through the turnstiles. And um, the actor who plays Peter is uh, named Daniel Cooksley. He's a local actor in Orlando. He starts going through the turnstiles and he does his shtick. It's a wide shot. Um, we had already shot the reversal shot, uh, and he walks to the turnstile, and the cast member recognizes him from a play he was in and starts trying to engage him in this long conversation and then looks over as part of this conversation and sees the camera and starts commenting on how, oh, is your girlfriend, like, videoing your day at Disney? And, like... Oh my goodness, like we were all sweating bullets. <laughs> I still have the text message chain that's going on as like all of the people who are very inconspicuously standing sort of kind of watching what's going on. Me sort of next to the DP, but not like trying to be too obvious because now this guy is looking towards the DP who is apparently Dan's girlfriend. Um, and so... And, and he's already kind of dressed a little funny and holding this ridiculous bag. Um, finally actually makes it through and the whole thing wound up in the film. So that's so great that uh, that was day one. That was that was shot two. That wasn't just day one. That was shot. So we're off two. To, yeah. So we're off to a great start. Fantastic. Um, that's so funny. So we wound that, up getting uh, some reversals of of. Um, of Kate, the girl who played uh, Molly, and uh, that worked out for us. So we, it all cut together, luckily. And and so I said that there was a green screen shot, and I might have just been looking at a shot. Was there a was that conversation between him and the kid that he needed to get somewhere? Yes, yes, the, that so, was a green screen shot. Okay, so why why did you decide that? Was that like a whoops? We need to make this a green screen shot. No, or did you? Uh, that was that was. There was an aesthetic reason and there was a practical reason. The practical reason was getting kids to say lines in a, an environment like that was probably just not going to work. That she was a she's a great actress, but she's a young kid, right? Um, and so we were worried about having to actually do that kind of interaction in a place where we were unsure about filming. Um, and so that was the practical reason. The aesthetic reason was, and you know, and I, this isn't really a spoiler, but but Walt has just come out of this experience with Walt and is looking at this vision of what he thinks his past with his daughter was. And so it's a little ethereal. It's not quite grounded in reality. Um, so I think that's a way where our technical limitations sort of worked with the... Uh, the needs of the production and the the kind of story we were telling. Gotcha. So I so that but that was shot on a green screen later. So did you get the plate that on one of your shoots? Yeah, yeah. The plate was you, on our okay. shoot on uh, literally on that shoot the same day we shot uh, the reversal of him at in the in Center Street. For those of you who know 
Magic Kingdom pretty well, the street right off to the right as you're walking down Main Street. But he was really there. Yeah, and that's yeah, he was, was really interesting. There. Right. And and <clears throat> that and it was interesting to me to see that this wasn't just a film where people were silently going around the Magic Kingdom. They were having dialogue scenes and they were having conversations. Mm-hmm. And were you not just like Oh boy, let's get this. Let's get this. Make it good, but we got to get out of here. Like, oh, I, I was mean, totally how? like that. I mean, that, that's yeah. where it came down to. We knew every shot. We knew every line. We knew every bit of blocking. We rehearsed on the green screen. We pulled up the Minecraft version of the Magic Kingdom multiple times. Um, we pulled out <laughs> the maps. We went for a scouting day. We knew where every shot was going to happen. We knew where every camera was going to be. Um, like that level of, of sort of military precision, if you will, um, was, was what it took. And we did, I mean, we did, we did some cheats, right? Like there's certain scenes that are a little shorter than they normally would be. Some things that are done in a master and don't have the cut in. Um, but it cut together really well. I don't like, I don't want to be too boastful about that, but I think it kind of works. So I'm pretty happy with it. Well, well, now we need to deflate your ego. Yeah, okay. um, we, go ahead. We've, uh, we, we've, uh, I'm just kidding. No, I don't, I don't have yeah. anything. Now let's talk um, about the sound mix. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, yeah. Sort of. Uh, did, you, uh, did you do a lot of uh, dubbing? All the stuff in the park was ADR'd. Every single okay, shot. That's... We didn't, yeah, we did not sneak in. Our, our, one of our other producers really wanted us to try and sneak in. Um, uh, wireless microphones and it came down to if we get caught i can explain the camera i can explain the tripod i don't know if i can explain these so that's yeah. kind of what it came down yeah. to yeah that's a that's a good idea and so have you gotten anything from disney like not a word. is there and not a word they just don't care probably i i hope that's their attitude i that's what i'm thinking and and there has been there was Escape from Tomorrow, mm-hmm. which was and I never saw that, um, and I'm sure you did, right? I, yeah, I've I've seen that. Um, I I don't know what it's about, but I assume yours is a bit more Disney brand than that film was. Ours is intentionally modeled after the Disney comedies of the 1960s, uh, so I think ours is certainly See, I thought more it was Disney modeled brand after the. Sure, I thought it was modeled after the well, not this version, but the version you were talking about with the security guard running around. That is yeah. two different, at least two different Walt Disney uh, Park specials. If you think Muppets go to Disney World, you're right. With the security guard r- running around and being like, "Come back, mm-hmm. Kermit," and then mm-hmm. the Disney California Adventure opening day special when uh, it's I think it's Colin. What's his name? Oh, I can't remember whose line is it anyways. Um, yeah, he, uh, it's not Colin Mockery. Ch- it's uh, Ryan. C- no, it is. Or, it no. is. It is Colin Mockery. It's Colin Mockery, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think okay, that's I'll him. Okay. He's the he's the security guard chasing around Richard Kind and his the other guy, and then they run into Michael Eisner at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the DC. Yeah, I remember both of those. I love the Muppets one. The Muppets one's my favorite. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you don't like the DCA opening day special, do you? Even no. know Disney? Um, <laughs> I uh, I've not watched that one as many times as, for example, the Epcot's opening day special, which is amazing too. I mean, the, eight uh, Danny K numbers. Yes, you know, well, you can't that, beat that. Yeah, I mean, aesthetic. Um, but yeah, it's uh But I, I would the uh, the when you said that original idea, I just kept thinking like that is the plot to two opening day special. So it's a good thing you dropped that one. Um, <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> but, instead, uh, I see this as like. Do you ever see like Blackbeard's Ghost? Like to me, this is sort of in that vein. 
Nope. Never okay. seen that. So now I'm going to watch Blackbeard's Ghost. I'm like, this is taking inspiration from The Further Adventures <laughs> of Walt's Frozen Head. Well, um, only in that you've got yes. your main character who like sees Blackbeard's Ghost and they go like off an adventure together and no one else can see Blackbeard's Ghost and kind of doesn't believe him that Blackbeard's Ghost exists and that sort of, you know, it's that kind of Herbie level hijinks, if you will. Sure. And I, and I really like, like I said, I really like the humor um, really love the emotional moments and the cinematography um, in the parks, especially is just so beautiful. What what about everything outside of the parks? Was there any complications, or was that like okay, huh, I can take a deep breath? We already filmed this crazy uh, thing in the parks, and now like filming everywhere else for the rest of my life is going to be the easiest thing ever. Well, it, you know, it's a completely different challenge because when we're shooting in the parks, we're shooting with a crew of five. When we're shooting everywhere else, we're shooting with a crew of 20, 30, depending on the day. Sometimes one, our biggest day was, I think, 50. Like it was, it got to be some really large shoots because we had a ton of equipment. We needed a ton of PAs, grips and things uh, because we really only had a lot of our locations for very limited periods of time. And when you have that, you have to make up for it with like, okay, we need a bunch of people to carry these things in and out and that sort of thing. Um so it, it presented brand new challenges. Some of our locations really fell into place at the very last moment. Um, Orlando Brewing was fantastic f- for us, uh, but they, uh, I, was, I was sweating bullets on that one because we did not have a cryogenics lab a week before we were supposed to shoot the cryogenics uh, lab. So um, that, they came through in, the, yeah. in a pinch, and uh, I'll be forever grateful and always buy their beer. Yeah. Well, the production design, that especially that part of it, and the Utilidors work surprisingly well. Um, and w- the only thing for me, the entire film that I was like, not, this is weird, is that Walt Disney, you know, it makes sense because you're Orlando-based, but he his frozen head occupies the Walt Disney World Resort and not Disneyland. Well, there's a story reason I mean, why would Walt Disney want to go see Disneyland when he's never seen the Magic Kingdom? So you have to have that. And there's got to be a real reason they built the Utilidors. It wasn't just like for fun, you know. So you figure figure, like they had the ability to build a facility for Walt in the Utilidors. So they took advantage of that, you know. This is this this was your test. This was your test because I think as someone that, uh, that considers himself a filmmaker. I have so many reasons for the decisions I make, and whether they are, mm-hmm. they make sense, or whether they're warranted or not. You need to have that backup answer for when someone's like, actually, uh, or the, or when CinemaSins comes after you. Yeah. Um. And and like, actually, you're three frames off here, and actually, actually, that was on purpose. So you can. Yeah, that was on down. purpose. Totally um, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. And so CinemaSins. well, we've. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> I'm the filmmaker. Uh, we are very aggressive creators right now. Uh, I like, outrank yeah. you. <laughs> I'm the writer. You're the yeah. audience. <laughs> I am the ATL. You are you are BTL the BTL. Um, that's a filmmaker joke. You're welcome, everybody. Um, <sighs> I'm such a nerd. So is there any other stories that you haven't gotten to tell on other podcasts? I mean, what do you talk about on other podcasts? Oh, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like, when you get shut down, that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of other stuff too. People usually have uh, a few similar questions and then some new stuff. Uh, did I do a good job? Yeah, you did a great job. 
Thank you. Now, now you're fighting my ego. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great. You fell, you fell, you fell into my trap. Um, <sighs> Turn it. <laughs> Uh, and so, but, but really, do you have any other stories or any funny moments from production or editing or anything else that you haven't gotten to tell anywhere? I want, a, I want an exclusive story. Okay, exclusive story. Um, hmm. This had to be a treasure trove of experience. Yeah, I, no, no, it, it did absolutely. And the bad stuff I've blacked out by now. Um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, everything went for 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 a production this crazy with this many contingencies everything went well like i i i really can't think of too many things that went really off the rails um you know the the worst things that happened were really kind of foreseeable and we we worked through them and we overcame them um you know, you always have some interpersonal conflicts on on set. You always have some issues, and when you're filming under a, a level of tension, those tend to be magnified. Um, but really, like, I don't know. I think it turned out pretty good um, for a film of our size. You know, you always you always give that disclaimer. You know, we're a small movie. We're shot on the generous donations of our Kickstarters. But like that's also the coffee budget on you know a movie that uh, will be playing at the multiplex near you. Um, so for a film of our size, I think we are really going to impress people with what we've been able to pull off here. I know that's not an exclusive witty story. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. not what I, I have asked. one right now. Oh, I did get to take one of our producers had never been to Disney World, and I got to take her for the first time, and it wound up being the oh, first day fun. of. Yeah, it was. She had been like when she was three and couldn't remember it. Um, and this was after we had shot everything. She came on after we had shot the stuff in the Magic Kingdom, and wasn't so obviously wasn't there for that day. It just was there for regular production. Um, so it was it was really great. I was shooting stuff for B roll um, with a you know with the borrowed camera, and uh, she just came with me to lend a hand. And but I'm like, you know what? The, we're gonna spend all day. We're gonna I'm gonna give you the you know the day in the Magic Kingdom. Um, and it was it was really weird shooting stuff at a park that I'd been to for so long, knowing that I need like these three shots and then I can call it a successful day. And then her like never having been there before, having seen this movie so many times. Um, it was a really great way to shoot our last couple of shots. Still didn't get well, that thirteen in that's focus. Great. Still didn't get it. Thirteen in focus sounds like a like a really artsy movie. So that could be the next project. Well, yeah. that's what, also what I'm going to ask is what's next for you. Next for me is I'm working on a fictional podcast series. Um, it's still sort of Ooh. in its formative stages now, um, but uh, I'm, do you need I'm a voice? On, do you need any voices? You know, I might need Character some voices. voices. I might. I can we'll, give you we'll some talk. voices. We'll talk. I can give you a mean Kermit the Frog. You don't even know if you don't even know what the story is. You might not want to be a part of this. It's, what what is it about? It's a is murder it about mystery. How my book doesn't make sense. It's a murder mystery about how your book makes no sense. It's a murder mystery set <laughs> set in the city of tomorrow. Like it, like they built it. Like, it's the alternate timeline they, where they built it. Well, they built where they built Epcot. Exactly. Except it's called Progress. Why wouldn't city. I want to be in that? I don't know. I don't know. It's called Murder and Progress. Why? Oh, that's interesting. I yeah. like that. Wow. So, I um, want to be a part of that. Okay. Okay. We'll make it happen. 
So how do I uh, how do I get on board? Because I think well, one, I mean, I mean not to I mean you've been bragging this whole time. Yeah, I have. Uh, to brag myself, I do have a lot of fans. Oh yeah, I have of a large course. audience. Why do you think I reached yeah. out and said, "Hey, let me be on your podcast"? <laughs> I thought it was because you liked my stuff, but uh, now no. we're showing our true colors. Um, I am. I. I don't think I'm. I don't think I have shame at this point. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You've. Uh, I'm a. I'm a ruthless if, capitalist. If anyone's, if, if anyone's still listening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. That that would be. I think that'd be perfect. I actually. How far in the planning stages is it? I'm still. I'm. I'm still writing. I. I need to. I need to get more on paper before I really start filling out roles and things like that. But I will. I will definitely let you know when I'm there. I'm not talking about a role role. I'm talking about give me in the writers room. Hmm. I'm. I'm serious, and I don't know if you're okay. like a, a writers room type guy or if you're very protective of your of your writing. But either way, I can tear it up. That's <laughs> something. Can, um, yeah, that's something I'd definitely be open to. Yeah, and then you'd have the audience, yeah, and, of and also I'm I'm also including this in the podcast. So if it doesn't happen, <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of people gee. against you. This, you're really putting me a, on the spot here. Gosh, what a job! What what a so what you want to dish about film festivals now? Since we're just like uh, you know yeah. completely bearing our souls. Yes, um, <laughs> film festivals are terrible. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, film Except festival, the, the Santa Cruz of, Film Festival, which is amazing. <laughs> Santa Cruz Film Festival is so amazing that they are showing our film not once, but twice. On October 4th, on October 6th, Santa Cruz, California, you should be there. Our producers will be there. One of the actresses will be there. You should definitely be there, too. Tickets available on SantaCruzFilmFestival.com. Wow. I didn't know this could get any more, uh, like, just out there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's kind of why you're here. You are here to promote. That's okay yeah, to do. Okay. Um, I just I saw yeah. my opportunity, and I'm like, they're like, I mean, no one's <laughs> listening at this point, right? Like, no, okay. actually, they do listen because 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 last five, a couple of podcasts ago, I forgot to censor something at like the hour and a half mark, and people were like, "You're really bad at censoring," <laughs> and which is fair, everybody. I mean, can please keep me in check? But thank and you I'm for like, listening. That I'm long. like Vimeo. You you. Unlike Vimeo, you can't like re-upload it or like, you know, normal like MP3 podcast. You can kind of re-upload the episode and that sort of thing. But like sure. YouTube, and it's you just and you won't miss there. A yeah, it's gone. It's, it's there forever. It's I mean, what I do is terrifying. So I am brave in a way. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's noble, I guess. But I'd say yeah. the bravest among us even. <laughs> the most noble um no but really um i am definitely gonna help write your new podcast that was your idea and now it's our idea and uh, i can't wait to do it and everyone if that if uh if you uh if just wait for my signal and we're either gonna tear it apart if i don't get this job or we're gonna we're gonna go support it if i do so uh i will use my audience as a weapon and because i love them and they love me i hope and uh <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now I'm diving too far into it, but I really do love that idea. I think that just that title alone. Do you, do you want to be a producer the on the further adventures of Waltz Frozen Head here too, while you're blackmailing me? Or, uh, yes, I do. I want to be an executive producer. Actually, <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to do anything, but I but I want to be able to change things for no reason. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> just to make it feel like it's my own. I did pay money for it, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, this is just film. In, in, this is just an inside film joke podcast now um, that aren't even that good jokes-wise. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Anyways, plug the film. Plug the film. Um, we are screening at the Santa Cruz International Film Fe- Not. Not Santa Cruz, international. We are screening at Santa Cruz Film Festival. You should all come and see it. That's October 4th and 6th. We are screening in Orlando on October 13th. That is, uh, tickets are available at waltzfrozenheadscreening.eventbrite.com or you can just check out my Twitter at waltzfrozenhead, no O in Frozen, um, and get more information there. Uh, we are also screening in Fremont, Nebraska on october 6th for those of you who are in the area up there um those are our three places we are screening in the very near future uh i don't know how to get tickets for that one yet but if you check out our website and my twitter feed and our facebook you should be able to get all that information and get your tickets soon because they might sell out especially the orlando screening we are uh we're getting close to uh um getting close to the line as to whether or not we're going to have a second screening or not. So if, uh, if we do, that'll be great. If we don't, we might sell out. So you better, better get them soon. Yeah. And I forgot to mention one thing. I love the music of the film. Um, I know this is late in the podcast to talk about the music, but I love the music. Um, Yeah. That's, that's also another fantastic person who, uh, who tired effortlessly on the project. What's their name? Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Darn it. Ooh, that's embarrassing. It's, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> I always called him you music. Wait, so, so you're the writer, director, and producer, and you don't know your composer? No, I just, it's it's David James Nielsen, but I don't know if it's Nielsen or Nielsen, because it's like Nielsen. he said it. Okay. Okay. It's Nielsen. <laughs> David James Nielsen. It's Nielsen. Well, Ben, can I call you Ben? Sure. <laughs> Kevin. What is your name? Kev. Kev. <laughs> Kev. Um, ben, this has been a... Defunct. <laughs> d- defunct Kev. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast and and uh, and humbling me and inflating your <laughs> ego. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's been... It's, it's it's been a ride. Um, I uh, I'll I'll figure out how to get you a copy of the book and figure out how to disconnect all social media from you so you cannot tell me what you think. Um, <laughs> I am positive I'm going to enjoy this book. I am absolutely positive. You are my. F- I'm going to think through every channel I subscribe to now. You don't have to do it. You can just you can just lie for like five seconds. You are my <laughs> second favorite YouTube channel. <laughs> Why, why don't you just lie? Who's your favorite? Uh, CEP Gray explains, but you are right up there. And you know what? He doesn't even count because he releases a video like every seven months. So like, not even anything close. Um, you you provide such fantastic content. You provide so much of it. Um, yours is the one that I have to like clear out my schedule when I see a new one drop. And like, okay, I've got to like sit down and actually like pay attention and watch this because it's such amazing content. It's really fantastically well done. The videos just keep getting better. I don't know how you keep getting better with this, but you keep getting better. The Civil War, par- the Ken Burns Civil War parody for Disney's America was brilliant. So like wow. kudos to you thank you kudos to you the, we we made it through my dark night of the soul and i'm ready to do the heist okay now. all right 
<laughs> thank you for that, though, really. Um, and again, thank you for coming on. It's been really fun. And please, everyone in the comments, we have been joking. We are not mean people to each other. This was I've, for I've comedy. never met this man before in my life, so I'm, he might we've be. Never, a, we've, <laughs> this is literally our first time speaking. Right, but I was joking. Okay, Ben, you can you can die on the hill that you were being serious <laughs> when you broke my heart. I was joking. <laughs> uh, please do not get mad at us in the comments. Um, we love you all. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Defunct Land podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And thank you for visiting Defunct Land. <laughs>